Hello, and welcome to Weekly Review with Roman. Today is Friday, October 19th, 2018. Thank you so much for listening. We are broadcasting live at a Mutiny Radio in the Mission District in San Francisco. We are on Ohlone land, and I would like to provide a trigger warning before we start with the show. We'll be going over news and current events, and it's deeply troubling. It has been... Uh, this is nothing new, of course. If you're listening to the show for the first time, thanks for listening. If you're returning to listen again, thank you very much. Appreciate it. I uh, feel like it's super important to be able to provide news, uh, accurate news, and news that is not tainted with uh, corporate sponsorship or people in positions of power who want to get their narrative across or uh, bigots who seem to have control over lots of media, lots of mainstream media, lots of corporate media, and they seem to not necessarily provide uh, the full truth of what's happening and or they don't really provide a perspective of folks who are the people who are suffering the most. So with this show, we try to get to the stories that one might not see in mainstream media and also really provide an accurate view from folks who are actually there instead of a, a narrative that goes in line with fascistic government officials and whatnot. I feel folks have an understanding of what I'm talking about. However, if you're listening for the first time, that's that's kind of where we're at here. And it's a different show every time, of course. I prepare a little bit more. It depends on the it depends on the week. It's been a long week. I say that every week. It's been a long week. So I've got a few stories prepared. We have an interview coming up at 1 p.m., so we are looking forward to that. We'll hear some more information about... Uh, I have to sigh. I sigh a lot through the program. That's what's going to happen. Uh, there was an attack by the Proud Boys uh, in New York City last week, and after lots of pressure was put upon government officials and law enforcement to actually do something about it, the NYPD was there, and they didn't bother to do anything until folks had to like show the video of a mob of proud boys assaulting people on the ground then arrests started to be made so we'll be talking a bit about that at 1 p.m and i also will most likely be reading a story a little bit before then if time permits i also want to start off by reading some local uh it's i guess it's local news uh it's a few things there's a few flyers here at the station and so I wanted to share this information with folks. So if you happen to be in the Bay Area, this is actually is true for anyone, however, um, most specifically for folks in the Bay Area, just a few notes here. Uh, please help us find Eric James Lupus. He's a San Francisco comedian and former Mutiny Radio DJ. He has been missing for over a week, and his family and friends are very worried. He is homeless and has a drug problem. He was last seen in the Mission District on September 24th when he was picked up by police. If you have any information, please call his brother, John, at 813-244-9564. Again, we're looking for Eric James Lupus, and you can call his brother, John, at 813-244-9564. hope Eric is found. And there's another 
uh, flyer here wanting, wanting to share. Please help our mother, Carolyn Salson. Dear community member, our mother, Carolyn Ann Salson, founding member of the Iconoclast Productions, organizer of the San Francisco Black Independent Film Festival, Iconoclast Film Festival, and the African American Multimedia Conference, a longtime community organizer who has worked with many of you here in the Black community, especially within the African American art and culture complex. Queen Ada and other community fixtures is in Oakland's Alta Bates Summit Hospital fighting for her life. After a nine-year battle with multiple meloma, Carolyn experienced a heart attack on Friday, September 14th, and has been on the hospital has been in the hospital on a respirator on life support ever since. The hospital has refused dialysis, and the family is fighting against this decision and fighting to move her to another facility where she can get life-sustaining treatment. We are also raising money for expenses related to her treatment and burial as she fights this battle, and her life is in the balance. Please see the GoFundMe in the link below uh, if you would like to support Carolyn with resources to keep her alive, such as media coverage or legal advice, or to contribute and are unable to get to the GoFundMe, please email Sumiko at Sumiko Scott, that's S-U-M-I-K-O-S-K-A at yahoo.com. Again, that's S-U-M-I-K-O-S-K-A at yahoo.com. Or call Scott Salson at 415-573-5413 or 415-573-7728 or Samiko at 415-573-4112. Thank you, Scott and Samiko Salson, Iconoclast Productions. And they have a link to the GoFundMe. It's uh, a bit long, so perhaps if you go to GoFundMe.com and then type in Carolyn Salson, and that's S-A-U-L-S-O-N, you can find the link, and we'll see if we can uh, find it and then share it on the Weekly Review webpage, which you can find at Facebook.com forward slash Weekly Rev. And this is what happens when we live in a country where healthcare is not prioritized, yet funding the military is. When, and punishment and jails and I mean it's all tied together and I do want to be clear it's I'm not anti-veteran I'm anti the military industrial complex I'm anti the complex of spending money to punish people and to harm people instead of to help people and it's frustrating and sickening and unfair that of the few choices folks have to support themselves that's that's one of them I would love to live in a world where folks were given more options to be artists and teachers and doctors and gardeners and there are so many ways you can be active in the world to help one another and the idea that you can get paid to harm someone is really fucked up so oh goodness and i recognize some people don't see it that way however if everyone had housing food health care especially mental health care here if everyone had drink drink green clean drinking water things would be a lot better off for a lot of folks. Uh, I think most people would agree with that. So how do we get there? And one thing you can do, folks are really big on the voting. A lot of people are big on the voting thing. And also there's some folks who are critical of it. And I totally understand that because there's a saying, you can't vote yourself out of oppression. And there are certain, well, there's certain local measures that may be helpful. It's still for living under capitalism. It's uh, voting can only go so far. So I feel like it's this idea of reform. It's an idea of harm reduction and it's important to do it if you're able to. And I also understand that we need direct action if we want to make change, like real big change. So if you are voting in the Bay area in San Francisco, vote yes on C, yes on 10, yes on 10 is a California wide measure. And we'll have more throughout the program and also some next week as well. 
and the following week because the voting uh, you can also vote ahead of time vote by mail november 6th if you have your ballots already so i do believe that it can be helpful to vote and i also really want to reiterate that it's direct action that gets the goods so to support folks who do direct action consider it yourself Consider doing it yourself if you're able to, and I will constantly bring up the folks who have been occupying space outside ICE headquarters throughout the country, and in Northern California, folks did that and prevented all deportations in Northern California for over a week. So that's what happened. People putting their bodies on the line and taking up space in that way. That's prevented deportations for a week. It wasn't voting for somebody to do it. So again, yes, if we have quote-unquote progressive folks in office, that can be helpful, and if we look throughout history, it's really direct action, protests, boycotts, riots, whatever it takes to support one another, to show up for one another. That's, what, that's what's made changes in the long run. You can't necessarily vote for someone to have a certain type of behavior. And it's also about who's enforcing these laws and what the laws are, because there's also a lot of laws on the books that are pretty fucked up. Here in San Francisco, there's uh, laws against uh, homelessness. There's laws against being poor. So I think it's really critical just to question what, what power we're giving and how much credence to give these quote-unquote laws. And also who's enforcing them and why they're enforcing them. I feel like a lot of the listeners recognize that and support that. So there's also, also if you happen to be a listener in Massachusetts and or know someone in Massachusetts, please vote yes on three. There are, they are also laws can be used to attack people. And so the... Measure number three in Massachusetts uh, will continue to provide protections for trans folks. And we need, we need protections. We definitely do. And again, uh, anything that can help is greatly appreciated. However, if it, if it doesn't pass, then we can see this kind of going nationwide. And we can see them using other ways to write laws against us and criminalize us. And we don't need that. So please tell folks, if you're in Massachusetts, vote yes on three. And again, the next few weeks, we will speak more about that. But again, it's uh, anything that can be done to show your support would be greatly appreciated. Okay, I'm going to get to a few news stories. I also start off the show with a pretty popular song. It was maybe popular in the 80s, too. Uh, Shout by Tears for Fears, and someone had posted that earlier. And it's like, yep, that's... There's a lot of anger out there, very valid anger. There's a lot of fear out there. I've been reading nonstop about gay bashings that have been happening, uh, racist attacks. It's anti-Semitic attacks. It's just ongoing. Misogynist attacks, transphobic attacks. It's And these have always happened, and there is definitely an uptick in him, and especially when you have someone in a position of power with a platform who, for some reason, he has a platform, some reason even though the majority of the population does not like him, cannot stand him, he still is allowed to speak his vitriol and it's inspiring people to commit hate crimes and assaults. And recently he was, he commended uh, the fact that a journalist was attacked and many journalists have been attacked. Many journalists have been killed here and abroad and he's endorsing that. So, I'm also just feeling pretty fucking exhausted because there's a lot of us who for a very long time have been saying we need, we need people to show up for us. We need to question the status quo and things cannot continue to happen the way they're happening. And I get that some folks feel, Oh, if it doesn't affect you personally, then they just kind of sit this one out, but you can't afford to do that because you'll be next. 
That's how it, history works. Oh, I would love to do a happy show. And I also feel like if I sit at home and do nothing, that's not necessarily helping either. So the very least can do is come here for a couple hours a week and share a bit of what's happening from a perspective that hopefully a lot of folks will identify with and appreciate. And it's also really validating because we have so many people in positions of power who work on gaslighting us. And when things are so backwards, uh, when money's being taken for HIV and AIDS and cancer treatments and, and FEMA, and that's gone towards ICE, when money that's, that should be going to help people is going to harm people, it, one can't help, I can't help but feel like things are just so much more backwards. I mean, things have always been backwards to a degree, absolutely. Here in San Francisco, there are empty units, yet there are people on the streets. There are people here making six, more than six figures, and there are people here who can't afford shelter. So when we see that on a daily basis, we, have to, we know that something's fucked up, and things can also be changed. It's not that difficult. If folks who have more power and privilege could actually do something with it, if they could share their resources, it's not that hard. And that's what Prop C is about. It's, it would tax businesses that make more than $50 million a year. They'd tax very little, like 1%, and that would go directly to helping with the mental health costs and shelter for folks. So it's a really, it's a, it's a no-brainer on this one to vote yes on Prop C. And hopefully, folks, get the word out. You can do that and tell other folks as well. Also, yes on Prop 10, which would repeal Costa-Hawkins, and that helps with rent control, because rent control is super helpful. And if folks don't like people living on the street, we need to ensure that People are not evicted from their homes they've lived in for generations. Also, some sad news, because I'm just talking about sad news. It's a sad news podcast. I should maybe I should rename it that. However, I feel like it'd be even harder to market if I called it the sad news podcast, because I don't know if I'd want to listen to it. So there's been a number of places on 24th Street in the Mission District that have closed over the years. Modern Times was a great bookstore, and they hosted community events. They closed a few years ago. It was really sad. Now I've just heard La Victoria, which is on the corner. It's a... Uh, a little bakery and shop that's closing as well as Gallery de la Raza, which is an art space. And that's an incredible space. And it's just because the landlords are raising their rent. That's what, why it's happening. And there's, it's disgusting. So feeling lots of fucking anger about that. A lot of anger and a lot of anger at greedy landlords. A lot. I can't, I can't put myself in their shoes. I can't understand how the idea of wanting to put out a place that's there for the community that's been there for, for decades, you'd put them out so you can make even more money than you already have as if it's not enough, what you already have. I, it's disgusting. Oh, goodness gracious. So, I do want to get to some news stories and I've got a few here that we'll get into a little bit later. There's a few stories about the Proud Boys I thought we'd be give as a good uh, lead into the interview just so we can have some more backstory on it for folks who are unfamiliar. Uh, I've been following it pretty closely and oh, I mean, people need to, to show up is what needs to happen because people need to be protected. So I'm going to play some music here and then we'll be uh, back in a bit.
so this is uh called, i haven't heard this song before but however it was recommended uh dead sarah and the song is mr mr <laughs>
And welcome back. That was Dead Sarah with Mr. Mister. So we've got some more news for you. Start. Thought I would have at least one positive news story. Try to do at least one per show if we're able to. And there's always good things happening, so I want to keep that in mind. However, it's also really crucial just to be aware of everything that's, or at least as much as we can, of what's going on. Positive news here. Rihanna turned down Super Bowl halftime show in support of Colin Kaepernick. And this was published on Complex.com and was written by Joshua Espinoza. This came out yesterday, October 18th. Rihanna reportedly snubbed the NFL. According to Us Weekly, the anti-singer was reportedly approached to headline the Super Bowl uh, 53? Is that 53 halftime show? However, she declined the offer out of support for Colin Kaepernick. The NFL and CBS really wanted Rihanna to be next year's performer in Atlanta, a source told the outlet. They offered it to her, but she said no because of the kneeling controversy. She doesn't agree with the NFL's stance. Kaepernick became one of the most polarizing players in NFL history uh, after he initiated on-field protests against police brutality and racial injustices. In 2016, the former 49er decided to kneel during the national anthem and was joined by other athletes across different sports. He has since entered free agency and has yet to sign to another team. Kaepernick is now locked in a legal battle with the NFL, claiming the league and franchise owners colluded to keep him off the field because of his political demonstrations. If the NFL, as well as all professional sports leagues, is to remain a meritocracy, then principled and peaceful political protest, which the owners themselves made great theater imitating weeks ago, should not be punished, and athletes should not be denied employment based on partisan political provocation by the executive branch of our government, Kaepernick previously said in a statement. Uh, the insider told Us Weekly that once Rihanna rejected the offer, league officials enlisted <laughs> Maroon 5, who may or may not be joined by Cardi B. Per the outlet, she's definitely being considered, but it's obviously way too early f- to say for sure, one insider says, noting that anything could happen or change by the time of the February 3rd, 2019 game rolls around. Now, you would I, I know it's Maroon 5. However, you would think that they might uh, have some common sense and be like, no, we're not going to do it either. Like, imagine if every single artist there who they were approached to do it said no. And perhaps it's still not too late to put pressure on them to say, do, you, you, obviously, you don't need the money. You don't need the exposure. So how about not? How about you don't do it? That would be great. Unless folks decide to do it and then do something political while they're there. Then that's a whole other, that's a whole other thing, too. So... Uh, congrats to Rihanna. Thank you for doing that. That's awesome. And if more people in positions of power with privilege and exposure could also do that, uh, that would be great. That's my summary of that. Um, some not so great news. Uh, that's the, the podcast. Some not so great news. It's sad and not so great for Metro weekly update anti-gay lawyer confirmed as head of justice department civil rights division you heard that correctly this is where we're heading everyone senate republicans pushed through eric dreban's nomination on a party line vote this is written by john riley on october 11th 2018 there's a picture of him i want to ugh. ugh. okay i'm gonna move the screen down so i don't have to look at his face on Thursday, the U.S. Senate confirmed lawyer Eric Dreband as head of the Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division. I don't know how, okay. I mean, I get that might sound like contradictory to a lot of us, the head of Department of Justice Civil Rights when the Department of Justice doesn't, okay. 
the fact that there's a, a okay despite some misgivings about some wow really only some misgivings about the stances on civil and LGBTQ rights following last Saturday's contentious vote to confirm Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell filed uh, closure motions on two Trump judicial picks whose nominations have been languishing for more than a year without a floor vote, one of whom was rebanned, according to the National Review. The other nominee, Jeffrey Bossert Clark, seeking to head the DOJ's Environmental and Natural Resources Division's had been held up over concerns about his environmental record. I'm shocked. But was given a preliminary vote on Wednesday when the Senate voted 53 to 44 to end debate on his nomination. On Thursday, he was finally confirmed by a 52 to 45 vote. The Senate voted on Thursday by a 50 to 47 margin to end debate on Dreban's nomination, setting up a subsequent confirmation vote, which also passed on a party line 50 to 47 vote. Senators Marco Rubio, Heidi Heitkamp, and Bill Nelson were not present. He had one job. The Democrats, come on. Come on. I mean, even if they had voted, though. Okay. An assistant attorney general for the DOJ's Civil Rights Division, Draband, will be entrusted with enforcing the nation's civil rights laws, particularly those that bar forms of discrimination based on race, sex, disability, religion, or national origin. Well, I'm glad you have a, a straight cis white man to do that. That's great. They seem to be doing a great job with everything else. So why not have them be in control of this, too? The Civil Rights Division often oversees disputes related to the Voting Rights Act, most notably state efforts that seek to suppress minorities' voting rights, either through gerrymandering, voter ID laws, and other methods like voter caging. And this is another thing I was thinking about earlier with the voting, is that there's so much voter suppression in so many states. In North Dakota, indigenous folks have, they've been, all these ways that they've blocked people from voting and like these fake laws they've made. And in Georgia, a number of African-American folks have been unable to vote. They've been putting all these, and there's a, there's a tour bus full of senior citizens and they were like pulled off the road. There's so, there's so much voter suppression that I think putting all of our eggs into the, Oh, we'll just vote and things will get better. It's not realistic given the fact that so many people are prohibited from voting. Okay. <sighs> Going to continue. During Dreban's confirmation hearing, civil rights groups flagged some of the answers he gave to senators' questions as warnings that he may adopt a very narrow view of what constitutes a civil rights violation. LGBTQ, LGBTQ groups in particular have been concerned about Dreban's decision to represent the University of North Carolina in a lawsuit challenging the university's decision to enforce HB2, an anti-LGBTQ state law that restricted restroom access for transgender people and nullified local ordinances prohibiting discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity. They also expressed concerns over his work for nonprofit organizations seeking religious exemptions from having to provide insurance coverage for contraception under the Affordable Care Act. What a fucking asshole. Uh, the phone's ringing, so we'll see who's on the phone. Mutiny Radio. Hi. Is there a poetry reading tonight? Today? Um, I believe it's not today. It probably will be next week. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Oh, so yes, uh, Common Thread Collective uh, is doing every other week. Unfortunately, they're not here this week, but they will be here next week, and as well as Women's Magazine, which goes on from 2 to 3. So please come back. And also, if you're interested in helping run the Common Thread Collective, I'm sure having a few extra hands here might make it possible to have it be every week again. I think that would be wonderful. And I, it's, I hate having to say no, because 
we have the space for it. So if you're interested, also if you're interested in having a show here at Mutiny Radio, we got we have a few new shows that are coming on board, and I think there are also still some slots available. So if you'd like to do a show here, two hours a week, um, you pay monthly dues, you get trained, you have the equipment here to use, also occasional like space rentals, you can do that too. And on Wednesday nights, there is an AA meeting. It's not broadcast, of course. However, if you'd like to come in for the meeting uh, Wednesday nights, check out mutinyradio.fm for our schedule. There's a lot of other great shows here on the station. So please support us. While I'm talking about the doing the supporting thing, if you would like to support this show, um, I'm grateful. Uh, please help spread the word. And if you have a few bucks to spare, patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. If your first $100 we make a month goes directly to paying the dues for the space, and if you're able to, um, a few bucks would be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. Cool. So let's continue on with this shit show. <sighs> Goodness. All right. So let's let's read about this guy. Okay. So anti-LGBTQ, not in favor of the Affordable Care Act. Recently, let's see what else. How else is he going to fuck us over? No, I should be positive or hopeful. I know hope was really important to have, and I also want to be realistic. So what can we do to like... Get this person out of power. Let's see. Recently, a mortgage company based out of Colorado has utilized a similar argument, citing its religious objections as justification for yanking spousal health care benefits from employees in same-sex marriages. When dr- another reason we need single-payer. Because uh, everyone should have health care regardless of whether or not you're married. And whether or not you're straight. When Dreban's nomination was approved by the Senate Judiciary Committee, along with three other anti-gay judges, the human rights campaign called all for a threat to the rights and safety of LGBTQ people. And the human rights campaign, who I have a lot of fucking issues with, as a lot of people do, who spent a lot of time and money ensuring the rights of wealthy, cis, white, gay men are okay, as opposed to, you know, all of us... If they had maybe made healthcare a priority instead of marriage... Just an idea. Just an idea. Okay. But now, thanks for getting on board now. All right. These nominees have an anti-LGBTQ records that are disturbing and disqualifying. David Stacey, HRC's Director of Government Affairs, said at the time, the Senate should reject them. LGBTQ groups lamented Draban's confirmation despite concerns that were apparently significant enough that Republicans did not have the requisite number of votes to bring his nomination to the Senate floor more than for more than a year. Throughout its 60-year history, the Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division has been a stalwart defender of, our, of civil rights in employment, education, housing, voting, and many other aspects of life in the face of increased violence and pervasive discrimination against vulnerable, vulnerable groups, including the LGBTQ community. Uh, the work of the Civil Rights Division is more important than ever. Sharon McGowan, Lambda Legal's Chief, Secret- Chief Strategy Officer and Legal Director, said in a statement, what the Department of Justice sorely needs at the moment is a strong leader with a proven track record of defending civil rights, added McGowan, a former career official for the DOJ's Civil Rights Division. This is not what they got today in Eric Dreband. It is a sad day for the Civil Rights Division and yet another example of how the Department of Justice is no longer in the business of doing justice. And any country that incarcerates millions of fucking people is, in my opinion, not in the business of doing justice in the first place. And now maybe more of that's being revealed. Oh gosh. Okay. I'm going to calm myself down a little bit and I'm going to find some music to play. That's going to make me feel a little bit better and hopefully make you feel better too. I can't make anyone feel a certain way. However, we can provide some tunes that will hopefully, uh, 
uplift folks. Hmm. My songs don't seem too uplifting. However, we'll we'll get to some good ones. So start off with uh, Mass Destruction by Faithless, and we'll be back in a bit. Whether long-range weapon or suicide bomb, a wicked mind is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether you're Soloway Sun or BBC One, this information is a weapon of mass destruction. You could a Caucasian or a poor Asian. Racism is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether inflation or globalization, fear is a weapon of mass destruction. My dad came into my room holding his hat. I knew he was leaving. He sat on my bed, told me some facts, son. I have a duty calling on me, you and your sister be brave my little soldier And don't forget all I told you, you're the mister of the house now remember this And when you wake up in the morning give your mama a kiss Then I had to say goodbye In the morning woke mama with a kiss on each eyelid Even though I'm only a kid, certain things can't be hit Mama grabbed me, held me like I was made to go, but left her in the stories untold. I said, Mama, it'll be alright when Daddy comes home tonight. Whether long-range weapon or suicide bomb, a wicked mind is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether you're Soloway Sun or BBC One, this information is a weapon of mass destruction. You could have Caucasian or a poor Asian. Racism is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether inflation or globalization, fear is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether Halliburton, Enron or anyone greed is a weapon of mass destruction. We need to find Courage, overcome inaction is a weapon of mass destruction. Inaction is a weapon of mass destruction. Inaction is a weapon of mass destruction. My story stops here. Let's be clear, this scenario is happening everywhere. And you ain't going to Nirvana or Farvana. You coming right back here to live out your karma with even more drama than previously. <laughs> Seriously. Just how many centuries have we been waiting for someone else to make us free? <laughs> and we refuse to see that people overseas suffer just like we. Bad leadership and egos unfettered and free. Who feed on the people they supposed to lead? I don't need the people to pray and wait for the Lord to make it all straight. There's only now I do it right. Cause I don't want your daddy leaving home tonight. Whether long-range weapon or suicide bomb, a wicked mind is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether you're Soloway's son or BBC One, this information is a weapon of mass destruction. You could have Caucasian or a poor Asian. Racism is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether inflation or globalization, fear is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether Halliburton, Enron or anyone greed is a weapon of mass destruction. We need to find Courage, overcome inaction is a weapon of mass destruction. Inaction is a weapon of mass destruction. Inaction is a weapon of mass destruction.
That was Wolf Parade with You're Dreaming. Before that, Faithless with Mass Destruction. A great song. Both great songs. Ah, okay. So we're going to read about some stuff that makes me super angry. It'll probably make you angry too. However, it's informative. Yay, informative. Also, thanks to all the listeners out there. And also, we did have a... We still have it. There's a Facebook weekly review page. However... Uh, as Facebook likes to fuck with people and things that are good a lot of the time, we've been having some issues with them. So... I will be speaking about that a little bit later. Um, I think you can still follow the page. However, they haven't been sharing. I don't know exactly what's happening. If you're a tech person and have any interest in helping out, please get in touch. Thanks. All right. This article comes from theappeal.org. And this will go into our conversation that we're hopefully going to have later on in the show. It's written by Ashoka Jegru, and it came out October 19th. That's today. NYPD unit that monitored Proud Boys event has troubled history. The Strategic Response Group was created for counterterrorism, but it's involved in everything from broken windows policing to suppressing protest. Video depicting members of the far-right group Proud Boys assaulting three protesters while yelling homophobic slurs near 82nd Street and Park Avenue in Manhattan after a recent group event generated outrage from New York politicians. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people before. Anyway. Okay. From New York politicians, including Governor Andrew Cuomo, and police promises to pursue the perpetrators. Last night, the NYPD made its first arrest of a proud boy for his alleged role in the assault. Law enforcement, politicians, and the media have focused significant attention on the proud boys who held an event October 12th at the Metropolitan Republican Club, but there has been far less scrutiny on the conduct of the officers assigned to the venue from the NYPD's 19th Precinct and the department's strategic response group. SRG. The SRG <sighs> seemed to be entirely focused on the anti-fascists, said photojournalist Shay Horse, whose videos and photos documenting the Proud Boys event were used in publications like the Huffington Post and the New York Times and were spread widely on social media. The NYPD allowed the Proud Boys and the 211 Boot Boys to march without an escort. Both of these decisions on the NYPD SRG's part made the attack possible. But by totally ignoring the Proud Boys, the police pretty much allowed them to assault people on the streets of New York. The NYPD has defended its handling of the event, saying that participants in the assault dispersed as soon as they the NYPD pulled up. Yeah, okay. <sighs> sure, Jan. Activists say they are not surprised that the SRG appeared to back off on Proud Boys assaulted protesters because of the unit's troubled history of suppressing protests, particularly those that call for justice for black victims of police violence. Indeed, the SRG's handling of the Proud Boys mirrors the police's hands-off approach 
to the violence surrounding the far-right protests in Charlottesville in August 2017 that left one woman dead and many others seriously injured. A report on the tragedy from a former federal prosecutor concluded that the UVA police department's lack of intervention was obvious to everyone present. The SRG was established in early 2015 by then-NYPD Commissioner Bill Bratton, who said that the 350-officer unit would be dedicated to disorder control and counterterrorism protection capabilities. In his announcement of the SRG, Bratton specifically cited terrorism incidents such as coordinated attacks by Islamic radicals in Mumbai in 2008 that claimed nearly 200 casualties and a January 2015 attack in Paris on the satirical magazine Charlie Hedbo that left 17 dead. Notably, Bratton also said that the SRG would deal with events like our recent protests, referring to the massive protests in New York that began in the summer of 2014 after the police murders of Eric Garner and Michael Brown. One march in December 2014 drew approximately 25,000 protesters. The day after Bratton's announcement, however, in what the New York Daily News described as a walked-back statement, James O'Neill, who is now the NYPD's commissioner, assured the public that the SRG will not be involved in handling protests and demonstrations. They'll have no role in protests. Their response is single-fold. They'll be doing counter-terror work. But such assurances, but such assurances did not assuage activists or attorneys from the civil rights and public defense communities. In March 2015, attorneys with the New York chapter of the National Lawyers Guild called the SRG unjustifiably massive, dangerous in its approach, and wasteful, and demanded that the city council reject the strategic response group proposal. Their skepticism of the SRG has proved to be well-founded. Since it was established, the group has expanded into a nearly 800-officer unit that handles protests along with much more mundane policing tasks, such as ticketing and animal rescue. Even Bratton once noted that the SRG had multiple missions. Indeed, in October 2015, an activist spotted members of the SRG policing homeless people in the subways. When the activist confronted one officer and said he thought the unit was supposed to be handling terrorism and protests, the officer said, that's not what we're here for. In January 2016, a reporter from the New York Times described SRG officers uh, saving a kitten trapped underneath a car in Ocean Parkway in Brooklyn. A few months later, the unit was deployed with bloodhounds to hunt down a black 16-year-old boy who escaped police custody after an arrest for turnstile jumping. Why? I... gonna take a breath it's the fact that there are fucking even fair inspectors in the first place is just beyond me by september 2018 even srg officers themselves complained about mission creep whistleblowers from the unit complained to the new york post that their bosses pressured them to meet ticket quotas we feel that we're not as sharp on our tactics one officer said because they are pulling us away from tactical training to grab numbers why accountability an abolitionist group led by black women has observed srg conduct the new stop and frisk traffic stops in the bronx Shannon Jones, a co-founder of the group, told the appeal, SRG is another tentacle of white supremacy seeking to wrap and squeeze black freedom. Jones's organization and with other grassroots activist groups that engage in street protest have experienced the SRG's repressive tactics, particularly Black Lives Matter and pro-immigrant protests. The SRG has become a regular fixture at abolitionist group NYC Shut It Down's weekly hashtag People's Monday protests, where activists highlight stories of people killed by police. The SRG showed up at this week's people monday 
People's Monday, just days after the Proud Boys event. In addition to violently arresting pro-immigrant protesters in February of 2017 and routinely harassing and intimidating Occupy ICE New York City protesters in Foley Square in July, the SRG also helped ICE detain immigrant activist Ravi Ragbir in January. When protesters attempted to stop ICE from taking Ragbir, the SRG pushed, choked, and arrested protesters, some of whom were local politicians. Later, when Ragbir was taken to a hospital, he said there were about 20 people watching him, half of whom were part of the SRG. The SRG's ever-expanding power and focus has also led to deadly consequences for black and brown people. In December 2017, the SRG initiated a low-level drug and gun investigation that led to police raiding a Bronx apartment and killing 69-year-old Mario Sanabria. Officers claimed that he swung a machete at cops, but Sanabria's family and his roommate, a 92-year-old man, insisted that he never wielded the sword against the cops. The police said that they were acting on a legitimate search warrant, but Sanabria's family insisted that they acted on a bad tip from a confidential informant and were searching for a relative named Daniel Conde. We have nobody in our family named Daniel, one family member said. In April, four officers, including two from the SRG, shot and killed 34-year-old Saheed Vassal on a Brooklyn street corner. The cops said they had received calls about a man with a gun and that the pipe that Vassal was holding when he killed resembled a weapon. Why are SRG, a militarized strategic force responding to a 911 call, asked his brother Andwell Vassal. Days later, during a large march in Brooklyn demanding justice for Vassal, the SRG showed up to try to intimidate protesters. This week, Vassal's father, Eric, met with New York Attorney General Barbara Underwood to discuss possible charges against the officers involved in his son's death. This is the tactics of the NYPD to just let the family suffer for years and years and years, he said Tuesday. I've seen them do that. They do all types of things to cause us to break down. It's a game that they keep on playing with us over and over, wanting us to believe they'll do good. But when it comes down to people of color, they see us as minorities, and because we do not, ha- and because we do not have no power, they keep on spinning us lower and lower. Unlike Vassal and Sanabria, Proud Boys founder Gavin McGinnis wasn't shot when he left the group's October 12th event waving a samurai sword he had just used to reenact the 1960 assassination of Japanese socialist Inahiro, Inajiro Asanuma by an ultranationalist who has since become an icon in the far-right movements. Instead, SRG officers escorted him to his car and then tried to arrest anti-fascists who appeared to throw objects like a plastic bottle in his direction. When confronted with this fact, an NYPD spokesman tweeted that the sword was plastic, to which a Twitter user responded, Oh, so now police can distinguish between real weapons and toy weapons? Activists with the Committee to Stop FBI Repression, NYC, have recently demanded the disbanding of the SRG, a call that resonates with Horse after witnessing the unit's conduct at the Proud Boys event. The SRG has no business policing protests with such heavy-handed tactics, acting like an occupying army more so than a police force, he said. Jones of Why Accountability, like many other black and brown activists in New York City, says she isn't surprised by what she sees as the SRG's laissez-faire treatment of the Proud Boys. She views the SRG's mission as similar to general police functions, which she describes as social control, the protection of private property, and the repression of the black liberation movements in New York City. We ain't having it, Jones said. Black freedom now, abolition now. Whew. And if you'd like to read and or share this article, and I recommend that you do, please share it with your networks. You can find it at theappeal.org. And again, the author's name is Ashoka. 
Ashoka, um, Ashoka Jegru, and that's um, A-S-H-O-K-A, and the last name is J-E-G-R-O-O. And again, it came out today on October 19th. So grateful for journalists, grateful for the folks um, sharing this information and compiling this information. Oh, okay. <sighs> going to let that sit for a moment. We are going to take another music break. And um, at 1 o'clock uh, Pacific time, we will most likely be hearing from a caller. So, uh, yeah. How about Pigs Will Pay by Propagandi? I feel like that's a, a song to go into after that article. Yeah. 
and welcome back to the Weekly Review. We're just going on a little bit of a music binge right now, and so stay tuned. And we'll be back, hopefully we'll have the interview sooner rather than later. Uh, please do stay tuned. In the meantime, we're just playing some good music that hopefully will make you feel good and empowered as music can. Grateful for all the musicians out there and all the artists out there throughout time. <sighs> all right. So, oh, here's one from The Strokes. This is a little bit on the nose. However, it was written decades ago and Billy needs to play it. All right. We'll be back in a bit.
welcome back. So unfortunately, we're not going to have the interview today. Um, however, hopefully we'll have it sometime in the future. And thanks again for listening. While I find out what to do next, I'm going to continue playing some music because why not? And that can be helpful. And yeah, so we're just going to play some music and we'll get to some more depressing stories, I'm sure, if that's what folks want. Also, feel free to call in 415-550-0511.
Welcome back to the weekly review. Uh, I was just <sighs> doing some work here, trying to get the message across to some folks, uh, and had some music replay. So wanting to, so I'm sorry we don't have an interview today. I was really looking forward to that. However, we'll get some other stuff. Um, how about Twitter has purged left-wing accounts with no explanation? I'm going to be super depressed by the end of the show. I usually am. Uh, when I have guests on, it makes me feel a little bit better, feel a little bit more validated, a little bit more connected. Um, however, it's also just really important to get this out there. And Okay, so Twitter has purged left-wing accounts with no explanation, and we're also having trouble with our weekly review webpage. I wonder why that is. Hmm. So uh, from Wired, from San, Sanjana Varghese from one day ago. Uh, oof. 
Twitter accounts run by activists linked to the Occupy movement have been suspended after the social network continued its attempted crackdown on bots and fake accounts. Around 80 activists with a collective following of 5 million people are thought to have had their accounts suspended. Organizers and activists say that their Twitter accounts were suspended without an explanation from the social network. Many of the accounts were created in 2011 and 2012 at the height of the Occupy movements. The mass suspension of accounts linked to the Occupy movement comes as Twitter steps up efforts to clean up its platform. Fuck you, Jack. Fuck you. The company has reportedly suspended 1,500 accounts over the past week that were suspected of being run by members of pro-Trump 4chan members masquerading as liberal activists, according to anonymous source speaking to the New York Times. Twitter's singular objective is to improve the health of public conversation, the company said in a statement. This work includes protecting the integrity of elections and taking robust steps to tackle spam, malicious activity, and automation. Twitter has been struggling to clean up its platform since 2016 when allegations of bot interference in the elections, as well as enabling harassment and abuse of individuals, embroiled the social network in controversy. But Twitter's attempt to clamp down on disinformation and propaganda is seemingly catching out uh, legitimate accounts too. Members of the Occupy movement claim that Twitter is banning people for the crime of speaking for to each other. Its latest crackdown follows on from Facebook announcing last week that it would be taking aggressive action against inauthentic activity, including bots and fake accounts on its network. To date, 559 pages and 221 accounts have been suspended. Pages caught up in the Facebook ban include the Free Thought Project, a free speech page with 3.1 million followers, and End the Drug War, which had 460,000 followers. Many of the projects involved were collective media networks, groups of net activists and organizers who covered protests and news as citizen journalists. One such group, the Anti-Media Project, had its Twitter account suspended on October 11th. Earlier that day, its Facebook page with 2.1 million followers was suspended. Another media collective's Twitter account, Global Revolution Live, with 55,000 followers, was also suspended at around the same time. Patty Beers, who has been involved in anti-media since 2011, found her personal Twitter account was suspended on the same day together with 25 others that she managed through the Twitter-owned service TweetDeck. Just before 4 p.m. that day, every Twitter account that I had access to via TweetDeck was suspended, she says. At the time, she had 30,000 followers. She adds that other people who were involved in the running of the anti-media account, such as Editor-in-Chief Carrie Wedler, also had their accounts suspended, even if they weren't particularly active on Twitter. Patty Beer says that part of their work, which involves publicizing issues that they say the mainstream media won't cover, requires large-scale social networks. There is no other platform where I was able to get a reach of up to 3.2 million people that I had on Twitter, she adds. Unless there's a mass move from Facebook or Twitter to a better platform, I don't see it getting better. The suspension of the Occupy accounts represents a change in how Twitter enforces its terms of service. The coordinated nature of the accounts bore similarities to the techniques used by bots and Russian scammers had been found to do, even if the content of their tweets were different. During protests or events that would receive a lot of coverage, many of the accounts involved would retweet information from people who were on the ground or use live streams to cover events. In a blog post updated at the beginning of this year, Twitter identifies all of these behaviors as markers of automated behavior. Such behavior includes coordinated engagement, consistent retweeting of specific accounts, and attempts to increase the rate of engagement during times of turmoil. For example, live tweeting from a major protest or coordinating with other activist networks to do so. 
they, Twitter, use a variety of signals, explains Bernie Hogan, a senior research fellow on computational propaganda at the Oxford Internet Institute. Some of these will be used by good and bad bots. Twitter might be a bit ad hoc in their behavior, and that is going to aggravate some legitimate accounts. I would expect to hear more news like this, said Taha Yasseri, and a researcher at Oxford Internet Institute. It actually... It is actually very hard to tell a bot account from a human account. Similarly, Vladimir Teichberg, a citizen journalist who is part of several such media collectives, said his personal and professional accounts were suspended. He had been using Twitter to spread, spread political messages since 2011 when he had become involved in Occupy Wall Street protests. Since then, he has been part of groups like Global Revolution Live, which covers movements like Black Lives Matter. Screenshots from emails sent to activists by Twitter contain no explanation as to why they were suspended. Dan Fight, who runs Global Revolution Live, says that the email he received had a blank space where a reason should be provided. Facebook and Twitter have wiped out the bulk of the independent media accounts that grew up in the post-Occupy era, he says. A Twitter spokesperson said the, the company did not comment on individual accounts. For the activists who have been banned, Twitter's crackdown on accounts engaging in coordinated behavior is hugely problematic. Those caught up in the latest round of suspensions, say, they say they worked collectively either to amplify other accounts or, as Fight says about Unicorn Riot, to raise publicity around a cause. It's hard to tell total reach because we retreat a lot, says Teichberg. We had 140 million, excuse me, 140,000 impressions per month on our original tweets, but that is probably 5 to 10% of the stuff we've put out. 90% of our work is curating and amplifying other accounts. This way of using Twitter is central for a network of such as Global Revolution Live, which considers amplifying other people's voices and collective behavior a part of its ethos. For such accounts, this is simply taking a core tenet of offline activism, translating it for digital platforms. For Twitter, that could look an awful lot like the way a network of bots behaves. While Twitter maintains that it mean that it enforces rules apolitically, sure, right, even though the CEO, Jack Dorsey, is voting against Prop C, which would, I don't know, help folks who are unhoused. Yeah, sure, you're apolitical. Fucking, okay. Calming down. While Twitter maintains that it enforces its rules apolitically, experts warn that such a stance is flawed. We might be able to generate an algorithm that does not have a political view, but depending on the data that we use to train the algorithm and the biases in that data, our algorithm could fall short of being completely objective, Yasseri says. But the users behind these suspended accounts believe that the suspension is ideological. Spamming is a random access beers. All of these accounts were about news and politics, so that isn't spam. However, she agrees that most of the accounts which she managed would mostly retweet others. You have a retweet button, says Teichberg. It's not against the terms of service to use it. Wow. Oh, goodness gracious. So we need another platform. You definitely do. And I've got some bad news. Uh, I know. It's the Bad News Podcast. Um, so Jeffrey Young, who is one of the Proud Boys who was arrested, has been released on his own reconnaissance. And again, we don't have much faith in the criminal justice system. And perhaps this is one of the reasons why. Okay. Oof. All right. So I am um, going to go find another article to read here. And also sharing some information from our home SF, which is one of the groups that's helping uh, 
put Prop C, getting information out there. The 311 waitlist for a 90-day shelter bed is over 1,100 people long and takes four to six weeks for a single adult to get a bed. Until then, folks wait online at drop-ins every morning and return every afternoon for a bed for just one night. Say hashtag yes on C to create a better city for us all. Oh, goodness gracious. And there's also an article from Truthout. Dissident Saudi professor asks, is America just an arms dealer? Oh, goodness. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, I mean, while I'm at it, might as well just keep on reading reading what's happening. Uh, uh, this is from uh, Racist, which is R-A-I-C-E-S, Racist Texas. Uh, we believe every immigrant who has joined Caravan Migrante deserves a right to seek asylum under international law treaties for their rights to be respected. We are fighting for hashtag Soul of America. And they say Telemundo is live streaming the Honduras caravan. It looks like Mexico's federal police is talking about letting women and children enter. So you can also follow if you go at on Twitter at R-A-I-C-E-S-T-E-X-A-S. Follow on Twitter. Oh, goodness. Okay. I think it's time for some more music. Uh, uh, All right. More music. And we'll be back in a bit. It might have been Camelot for Jack and Jacqueline. But on the Che Guevara highway filling up with gasoline Fidel Castro's brother spies a rich lady who's crying over the luxury's disappointment so he walks over and he's trying to sympathise with her but he thinks that he should warn her that the third world is just around the corner Soviet Union, a scientist is blinded by the resumption of nuclear testing and he is reminded that Dr. Robert Oppenheimer's optimism fell the first hurdle. only noise I hear is the sound of someone stacking chairs and mopping up spilled beer and someone asking questions and basking in the light of the 15 fame-filled minutes of the fanzine writer. Mixing pop and politics He asks me what the use is I offer him embarrassment for my usual excuses While looking down the corridor Out to where the van is waiting I'm looking for the great leap forward Mm. 
sales are organised and pamphlets have been posted. Even after closing time, there's still parties to be hosted. You can be active with the activists or sleeping with the sleepers while you're waiting for the drive forwards. Our one leap forward to lift back will politics get me to sack waiting for the
We know you could've stayed home, just cried and cussed Mail your guns go off if it's time to bust Mail their tanks have time to rust They got the armies turning bullets into gold They got the hookers turning tricks into coal And every time the police kicks in the dough An angel gas breaks dips in the O And even if a D-boy flips in my O It ain't enough to buy shit anymore Sleep in the doorway, piss on the floor Look in the sky, wait for missiles to show It's finna blow, cause they got the TV We got the truth They own the judges and we got the proof We got hella people, they got helicopters They got the bombs and we got the, we got the We got the
was a really pleasant show. Uh, I don't want to apologize because I'm not really in control of, I guess I'm in control of what I can share. However, I feel if I don't share what's happening, uh, keeping it silent isn't going to change things either. So I'll just read the headline of the last article and folks are welcome to read it. Another trigger warning, uh, uh, content warning uh, for sexual assault. There's an article on CNN. If you go to CNN.com, you can read it there. Police officers in the U.S. were charged with more than 400 rapes over a nine-year period. And this was written by Elliot C. McLaughlin. It's uh, on CNN. It came out today, October 19th. You can read the article. Uh, And these are are only the people who are charged. Uh, And how fucked up it is that these are people in positions of power. And it's also fucked up that in many ways, uh, sex work is considered illegal, which is ridiculous when it's a victimless crime. Yet uh, folks who actually harm people, such as in these cases, these corrupt police officers, they're the ones causing harm. Uh, Again, things feel really fucking backwards. And uh, I guess it's, it's helpful to have solutions. I think one thing to do is to speak about it, continue to share information, to speak truth to power, to support folks who have been victims of and, and survivors of state violence. And there's a saying that all violence is state violence when we see it kind of coming down this way. It's violence. Poverty is violence. People not being able to have a roof over their heads, not being able to have food, not being able to have health care. This idea they're, they're fake borders and somehow controlling this idea of borders and who belongs where when that's <sighs> doesn't make any sense. People making laws that harm people enforcing them yeah if i have to do a summary of the show it's like yikes that's one summary and it's also just this, the idea of law enforcement the people in positions of power thinking about the anti-gay uh prosecutor or the the person who is now appointed to the civil rights division and i think it's it's about uh, not necessarily having faith in the courts not having faith in law enforcement questioning the people in positions of power when many of them harm people so what can we do to defend ourselves from this and to support each other? And it's easier said than done. And I would love to come here with a lot of solutions. And I recognize people have been doing their best to survive for generations on this land. We're on stolen land. We're colonization over and over and over again and gentrification over and over again. We're seeing the repeat patterns of what's been happening here for generations. So in a lot of ways, it's nothing new. It might look new. The ways it happens might seem new or might be packaged in a certain way. Also notice Sonia Trouse, who's running for District 6. She's got some money from the Police Officers Association and believes we should arrest more people. Fuck that. We don't need people in positions of power who believe we need to arrest more people. So that's an anti-plug there. Again, we'll have more. uh, By next week, we'll have some more information on folks who do want to vote. Again, it's a way of harm reduction. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, it's a heavy day, so take care of yourself. I'm saying that for myself as well. What can I do to make myself feel better knowing that many folks are under attack? Uh, we don't necessarily have... It's it's up to us to protect ourselves, and that's another recurring theme. And there's more of us than there are of them, and we have to organize and support each other and recognize that we're all we're all linked in this together. We're all connected in this. And so do what we can to speak up for one another and protect one another. 
and it's worth it. We don't really have a choice. And as the last song I played, if you tolerate this, then your children will be next. That's exactly what's going to happen. If you have kids, they're going to go through the same thing, if not worse, if things don't change. Uh, yeah, I really would, would like to end on something happier. And there are a lot of folks out there doing a lot of really incredible work. And even just being alive in this world is really fucking exhausting for a lot of folks. So sending lots of love and solidarity to all the folks out there who are doing just that. Thanks again for listening. There's no women's magazine this week um, or common thread collective. However, they will be back next week. There's shows later on on mutiny radio today. There's a open mic. Yeah, I am. Oh, I am. <laughs> it's really hard to be sober in times like this. It really is. However, we can do it. We can share what's happening. We can support one another. You can create art, help protect the earth. <laughs> we'll do what we can. On that note, I'm going to end with a beautiful song by Star Amarasu, uh, Little Bird from the Eclipsing album. And uh, check out Star Amarasu on uh, SoundCloud. And yeah, I'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully there'll be some more positive things to report on. And if not, then we'll make do with what we can. Have a great week, everybody. Little bird, little bird
of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming 